hello and welcome to episode number 86 of Virtual Team Dynamics, the All Fire podcast. My name is Francis Norman. I'm the founder and principal consultant here at All Fire. At All Fire, we specialize in helping you get the most from your virtual teams through understanding how your team members communicate and interact. On today's podcast, we have an interview with Stephen Townsend of PMI where we talked about a recent book he was heavily involved with called uh, Integrating Program Management and Systems Engineering. So this was a book that was jointly produced through a massive team effort over a five-year period and published by PMI and Incorsi. So as with all of our podcasts, there's an accompanying article on the Ulfire website, so please do check it out for additional information. And while you're there, sign up for our newsletter to keep informed with other things that are going on and find out a bit more about how we may be able to help you with your business. So I'm here today with Stephen Townsend from Project Management Institute. Uh, I met Stephen a few months ago when he presented some of his work here in Australia at a, at a, at a small local conference. Um, so Stephen, good morning or good evening. Welcome. Good morning, Francis. Thank you for having me today. Absolute pleasure, Stephen. Absolute pleasure. Um, so would I, uh, could I ask you just to sort of do a little bit of introduction of who you are and, um, and what your role is with PMI and uh, I guess how we come to be speaking here? Sure. I am the Director of Network Programs for the Project Management Institute based in Newtown Square, Pennsylvania in the U.S. And my role here is really special programs. So for the past uh, several years, we've been working uh, through a strategic alliance with the International Council on Systems Engineering and MIT's Consortium for Engineering Program Excellence to explore how we can create better collaboration between program managers and chief systems engineers of major engineering programs. So after five years of research, exploring different aspects of uh, collaboration alignment of practices and organizational systems and structures, uh, we actually wrote a book called Integrating Program Management and Systems Engineering. And uh, we're going to be talking about that today. So we'll share some insights uh, from the book with your audience. We are indeed, yes. So, uh, So five years to get to that point. Indeed, yes. It has been quite a journey. <laughs> quite a journey. <laughs> a journey you would with repeat? Fortune- Yes, with fortunately a lot of uh, interested subject matter experts uh, from different industries, different geographies around the world. And it all started with the question of how can we reduce waste in engineering programs? And we developed our first book called The Guide to Lean Enablers for Engineering Programs. And it was looking basically at how do you limit Uh, risk that can affect cost, schedule, and performance on engineering programs by applying lean principles. And from that, we realized that 
individuals would not be able to use that guidance if there was not strong alignment and collaboration between the program management side and the systems engineering side. So that's when we started to do the research to uncover what is the reality out there in terms of how well do they work together, how well are their practices aligned, and how well do organizations actually underpin that collaboration and integration through enabling practices. Mm. And you, you obviously, from, from reading the book, um, you've got a, an enormous list of contributors. Um, <laughs> we sure do. And, no, and it, it, actually, I've got to say, you know, I've, I've, I've read a few academic books over the years, and as far as accessibility and ease of read, this is one of the best I've come across. Um, well, thank you. I think one of the things I really liked with it was it, it, is, a, it is a book in one piece rather than a series of papers. So often when you get these, you'll find it's this, there's an editor who essentially is compiling a series of, of, of academic articles that don't always flow and they don't always fit together properly. Whereas right. the approach that you've taken with this, there isn't a specific author attributed to any of the chapters, really. It's, it's very much a piece of joined up work, which I guess hopefully is a reflection on the kind of work that the people who, um, who the book is aimed at you would want to, uh, to, to, to produce? Well, I have to say that the original group uh, who agreed to contribute to the project had all done pieces of work related to looking at engineering program performance. So we knew we had the right subject matter experts together. And when we started outlining the book and the content that we needed to include, everything came together fairly smoothly. Unfortunately, life happens when you have other plans. Mm. And two of the key contributors had to step away from the project uh, for personal reasons. And so we were scrambling to figure out how do we fill in their sections. And so fortunately, uh, within the PMI network, we had a pretty uh, comprehensive range of people that we could tap. And so we were able to bring in some other subject matter experts who kind of immediately picked up where we left off and were able to drive the activity forward. But we basically formed the shell group that uh, kind of put the a little bit of meat on the bones, and then we sent it out for review. And we received over 5,000 comments wow. from about 50 subject matter expert reviewers who gave us insights into different aspects of, uh, well, you kind of contradicted yourself here, or you really need to build this out because this seems to be a central theme to what you're trying to explain. And so the team took that feedback back and within about a five month period, uh, we not only rewrote the copy, but we smoothed out the text so that it read as one complete work as opposed to uh, different pieces of work by different individuals kind of cobbled together at the end. So it really came out uh, very well. And I have to give two uh, shout outs <laughs> associated with that. One is the uh, editor in chief, uh, Dr. Eric Ribbentish from MIT Consortium for Engineering Program Excellence. And the other was one of my team members, a gentleman by the name of Marvin Nelson. Nelson. Uh, Marvin now works in our standards area, but at the time uh, he was working on special initiatives within the organization. And one of the things that uh, that he contributed was he was Eric's right hand man. Oh. So really, it's 
the two of them that smoothed out the text to make sure that it read as one comprehensive work as opposed to, uh, as you said, a compendium of different uh, articles from different contributors. Mm. So it was really a, a highly <laughs> you want to talk about high collaboration and integration uh we had that on every aspect of this book and uh i i'm glad that uh based on what you said it shows it does it really does it 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 really does feel like a book firstly it feels like a book that everybody that wrote it cared about which is obviously coming across from what you're from what you're describing there as well but it but it does read like a book that is doing what it says people should be doing that it's that you you don't get to and think oh yeah okay so someone's written this next chapter and they completely disagree with everything else that everyone else has <laughs> said in here. Uh, right. I'm, I'm sure there were conversations like that during its production, but there are that it does not come out anywhere in here. So it's it's a really it's a really nicely put together story. Story isn't the right term, but you know what I mean. It it, it flows well through. It's well structured. It's well thought out, and 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 it's one voice. Um, and and that voice presumably is a collective, not not one individual. So it's no, it 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 came over really really well. Um, so do you want to tell me a little bit about what's actually going on in the book? Some of the sort of the key themes that are in there. So when we were working on the guide to lean enablers, one of the key themes that uh, continued to surface was there were examples of excellence. Uh, associated with uh, engineering programs, uh, but in many cases they were isolated. We weren't able to find uh, clear examples of consistent, uh, integrated, aligned uh, work efforts, which means that uh, either it's dependent on the individual personalities of the program manager and the chief systems engineer who mm. are leading the program, or the organization really doesn't create the enabling processes and systems to enable effective approaches towards collaboration and integration. And so we really wanted to explore that and understand a little better the dynamic between the program manager and chief systems engineer. So we went out with an exploratory survey where we asked, um, what are you responsible for based on your role? So if you're a program manager, what do you do if you're chief systems engineer? What do you do? And the research came out very clear. The program manager is really responsible for the management goals and objectives of the program. Mm -hmm. So making sure that it achieves the intended results, dealing with the stakeholder management and engagement, uh, making sure that the integration occurs across the program with the various projects and other operational activities that are going on. So really dealing with the management side. The chief systems engineer very clearly said, I'm responsible for all the technical components. Um, but there was the space where they overlapped. So the planning phase was very critical to both. Risk management was very critical to both. Supplier engagement was critical and stakeholder engagement. So it's often in that space, though, that if they don't have a good working relationship or there's not a good integrated approach, that things can break down very quickly. Mm. So if you have a siloed program manager and a siloed chief systems engineer and the technical risks aren't being elevated to the program level for inclusion in 
analysis of the overall program performance, that can result in many problems. And we've actually had some cases where uh, that happened. Uh, so as we started to explore what, what's the nature of, of this tension between the two, what we found is in very few organizations, less than 20%, there was strong alignment of practices and strong integration. The majority of organizations were somewhere in the middle. They, and in many cases, it might depend on who the program manager, chief systems engineer was. In other cases, it really depended on how formalized the uh, engineering management, so kind of the combination of the technical mm -hmm. and management pieces, yeah. uh, were locked together. There were a sizable number of organizations that had not only poor alignment, but poor collaboration between the program manager and chief systems engineer. So that was the first level of research. Then based on that, we decided let's explore how the organizations with strong integration and collaboration got there. And so we asked them about their journey, how have they been able to maintain it and sustain it. And then we did the same with those that were on the opposite end, very poor alignment, very poor uh, collaboration. And looking at the two, we were able to identify very clear differences and distinctions between the two. And so that helped us develop a framework for what effective integration might look like. Mm. So there's a people component, there's a process component, there's an organizational context, so the culture, the structures within the organization, the human relations systems, yep. uh, and then there's a program context. Uh, that uh, that applies as well. And where those are strongly aligned to build uh, high levels of effective practice. So use of standards, for example, uh, aligning standards between the management side and the technical side. So risk management practices are integrated and reported as uh, one view of risk management as opposed to the technical view and the management view. So we found where that happened, where those systems existed, that helped to enable better communication, better engagement, better alignment, better teaming uh, within the organizations. And so we took that information kind of tested the framework with some additional uh, case studies, but also wanted to find out, does that actually make a difference in engineering program performance? Mm, yeah, that, and was, so, that was a question I guess I've had going in my mind is the, the, whether the team is functional or dysfunctional, does it, is it reflected right. in the outcomes at the end? Right. So <clears throat> MIT uh, did some pretty sophisticated modeling and uh, conducted a survey to find out how organizations uh, behaved uh, and how their programs performed as a result of that behavior. And what they found based on the modeling was there was a 17% stronger performance among those organizations that had high levels of integrated practice and high levels of collaboration between the program manager and the chief systems engineer. And that became even more critical when there was schedule pressure. Because think about it, if you're under the gun to deliver a solution very quickly and you don't have effectively aligned practices and you don't 
you aren't able to bring the team together to resolve problems and issues that come up. Having schedule pressure is only likely to make you more dysfunctional, <laughs> not yes. more effective. Yes, that so, pressure pushes people to to the exactly. to the, the bad end of their behaviours. That uh, yeah, and and to try and do things without necessarily bringing the team along with them. Exactly, and in engineering programs anyway, there's already pressure. Because in many instances, you're developing something new or you're putting components together in different ways and you're not sure how they're going to interface. So you already have significant challenges with the problem and the solution that you're trying to come up with. So you exacerbate that with you do things this way and I do things this way, but we're part of the same team uh, and we have team members who work with us that we pull in our own directions, uh, that can create some pretty uh, bad situations. And we have several examples of uh, programs that experienced uh, issues as a result of that lack of integration. Mm, yeah. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's that 17% that is, is, a, is a pretty stark number. Uh, that that in itself should should push people toward really putting the work into building that integration between and that understanding between the two sides of the of the coin here. Definitely, when we did the guide to lean enablers, uh, we looked at uh, programs, engineering programs managed by the U.S. Department of Defense. Now, the U.S. Department of Defense has among the most sophisticated uh, program management practices of any entity around the world. Uh, they do comprehensive training and staff development around their uh, methods, tools, techniques, etc. So they're very invested in effective engineering program performance. But in the guide to lean enablers, what we found was there was significant budget overruns when you looked at most of their uh, active programs at that point in time. I think in 2008, uh, there was over a $300 billion cost overrun on defense-related programs. That's, and that's, that's almost getting into serious money there, isn't it? Yeah, and from a scheduling perspective, they were up to 22 months uh, behind schedule on most of their programs. So even if a little bit of integration makes a 1% impact on that level of waste or schedule uh, time, uh, then that's a significant uh, savings right there. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. Wow. So the, the, so the, the work that you've done, clearly you're, I mean, you, you, you were very happy to share it with us here in Australia when you were, when you were visiting. Has it been... Um, has there been a good reception to the book? Has it been um, you know, you're getting lots of people wanting wanting to uh, to talk to you about about where it's going and what your findings are and where to go from here and how to how to implement some of the things that you're recommending? So the most interesting thing is from both the program management and systems engineering communities, we're getting a lot of thank you for validating what I've been saying for most of my career. <laughs> <laughs> so people are very excited that uh, things that they have been trying to accomplish within their organizations, somebody's finally shown if we do these things, it actually can improve performance yep. and ultimately improve the bottom line. So uh, I would say that that has been the most overwhelming comment, yes. commentary that we've received thus far. Um, we've been uh, doing a lot of work with the academic community because what we're hoping is that the book will also be used in the classroom because 
again, in many uh, engineering degree programs, they're so focused on the technical work that when engineering students enter the workforce, uh, they're not necessarily attuned to working in a team environment yeah. and understanding the dynamic between the management and the technical side. So we're hoping that given many accrediting bodies around the world are looking at uh, engineering curricula and are saying, realizing now soft skills are very critical. So how do you work together uh, in a team? How do you communicate effectively? How do you negotiate and compromise? But also project management skills because all engineering work is done in a project or program context. Absolutely, it is, yes. So, so we're hoping that, uh, that the academic community will embrace the book and will utilize it because it has a lot of uh, in-depth case studies uh, that can be very useful both from an engineering perspective and a and a program management perspective. Yeah, that that I mean, what you say about the engineering side of things. My background is all engineering, and um, you know, I've, I've I've referred to it for a long time as a team sport, uh, and yet it's a team sport where everybody's an individual, and and in some cases so individual, and you've got different groups within that team which play almost a different sport entirely. Right, and yet everybody's trying to reach the same the same target and the same goal, and and then yes, as you as you set out in the book and as you've as you've said there as well, you you will come across projects where it's almost as though you're playing one sport and yet your project manager is playing something completely different. You know, your your sport is in the water and there's this on land or or something. There's just there's just this massive disconnect between them. So to get that message out to the to the broader, the broader industry and the broader community that that, that that we do, that there is this opportunity for such a substantial um, saving of risk, I guess, and 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 containment of risk and, and improvement of performance through through better integration is uh, is a is a really strong message that uh, that hopefully people will pick up on. Yes, yeah. So how, how yeah. long has the book been out? Uh, only since March of this year. Um, so it is still uh, fairly new, but uh, people are starting to buy it and post reviews on Amazon yep. and uh, come to us and share their feedback with us. So uh, again, it, we're getting fairly good uh, reception, but mostly uh, people are paying homage that, that we recognize their pain. <laughs> <laughs> and it's always nice. It's always nice to know that you're not the only one. You're not, you're not on an island suffering that, that pain, that there are others out there that see it as well. Yes. Most definitely. Most yep. definitely. And what the other thing that we found in the book is that um, in some instances, it takes a pretty significant uh, instance uh, for things to come together to allow the integration to happen. So NASA is a good example, case study in the book that we use. So after the Challenger and the Columbia disasters, when the leadership realized that the cultural breakdown between the management mission side and the engineering side, which was raising concerns about different aspects of the space shuttles, that they weren't able to communicate effectively, that the escalation procedures weren't working the way that they needed to, uh, that the, that the uh, mission was uh, taking precedent over some of the safety issues, they realized that there was not just a process issue. There was a cultural issue in the organization. So NASA is a good example of an organization that went through a wholesale change in how they structured 
the organization in order to not only deliver the mission, but to address the uh, cultural issues that created some of the engineering challenges that they had. And so they not only instituted uh, better processes that were more strongly integrated, but if you're a engineer and you're on the engineer career track at NASA, you have to complete at every level, at every professional level, you have to complete not only engineering training, you also have to complete project and program management training. You need to speak the language, you need to understand the issues, you need to know why you're being asked for certain pieces of documentation or information or whatever. And the same for the program and project managers. If you're on the project to program management track, you may not come in with a technical background. You may not be an engineer. Uh, so you have to complete training in different aspects of engineering practice because you need to be able to speak and understand when your technical people say, this is a big red flag, it's a big red flag. Yep. You know, they're not just trying to buy more time. They're, they're raising critical issues. And actually, since those changes have happened, uh, NASA's had much stronger overall performance in their engineering programs uh, because they took to heart that need for organizational systemic change. Yep. And they made the changes at all levels. Yep. Yep. So have you, um, have the, the, clearly, the, and, and this is more me speaking so that you can, uh, you can narrate this, um, the, the research, a lot of the research that you have, a lot of the examples in the book are in that aviation and space travel and so forth. Um, I guess speaking from sitting here in Perth, Western Australia, we don't do a lot of building of aircraft or uh, building of spaceships. Um, in the in the more mundane, if you like, in the in the more terrestrial uh, engineering project spaces, is there was there much of that research captured as well in here? So the challenge that we had with finding case studies uh, to the level of depth that we needed to go is that many corporations don't want to share anything that is or could reflect negatively on the organization. Strange, and so we, we were only able to find examples where something significant had happened and there was government or regulatory intervention to investigate what happened. Okay. So uh, we, we struggled to find examples of both good and bad because even uh, on, the, on the negative side, the failures, uh, it was very difficult to find information at the level of program management and systems mm. engineering that we needed. Uh, the best resource that we had is government information because government programs and activities are audited. Uh, those reports are public. Um, the entities have to investigate themselves and report on their own development. So we had a broader range of information available on uh, government programs. So that's why you'll find uh, the Air Force, the Australian Royal Navy, uh, NASA, uh, the CIA and other organizations, other government bodies highlighted in the research because it's much easier to get access to the level of information that we need there. But we do have some corporate examples. We have uh, nationwide insurance, for example, a major uh, IT uh, infrastructure uh, uh, redevelopment initiative. We have BMW as an example from the automotive industry. Uh, we 
tried very desperately to make sure that we had a range of different industries and a range of different geographies. Uh, but again, uh, we had uh, some challenges uh, in finding examples, uh, particularly uh, in Asia and Latin America. Mm. Uh, language, of course, uh, is a bit of a challenge. Yep. So we're hoping that for the next edition, uh, once people see the book and say, oh, wow, yeah, I've got an example for you, that we're able to include uh, examples from uh, mining industry, mm. for example, yep. Yep. Uh, would be would be a big one. Um, you know, we have uh, uh, other infrastructure uh, initiatives. So water desalination would yes. be uh, kind of a, a new technology and a new development that we would want to explore. So we're hoping that for the next edition, we are able to get uh, some additional examples. Mm. That's great for, for two reasons, I guess. One, one is that, that, uh, that there'll be another edition. Because, I mean, although I'm saying that, I'm looking at you've got a few grey hairs there. Um, do you think you'll have have a few more by the time the next edition is finished? Um. Most definitely. But we've actually uh, started conversations with some people who have approached us and said, I have a story for you. Wow. So we're already starting to identify uh, potential case studies to include in the next edition. That's great. Yes. And I, I have to say, my my background has all been in the resources space, but I read this and you could almost have just changed the company names and the organizational <laughs> names and the stories and the situations were so, um, so, so resonant with me in that, in that space. So yeah, while it, while it clearly, and I understand why you've, why you had to go with, you've got to go with the data you can get. Um, the, I think I really do feel it's very much more broadly applicable than that. So it's, that's absolutely tremendous. So yes, I'll look forward to the next edition then, maybe in five, six, seven years' time. Yeah, hopefully maybe uh, three or four. Oh, we're good. hoping that it has a big enough pickup that uh, we're able to convince the publisher to uh, support another edition. Good, good. Well, I'll, I'll, you'll get my vote at least, yes. All right, I, is it Is it selling well? Uh, so far, uh, so good. Um, we expect it to have, uh, at this point, about uh, 5,000 uh, copies sold, and it looks like we're pretty close. That's good. So uh, that's not bad for having been out for just uh, just about six months. That's right. And yeah. again, we've been doing a lot of uh, presentations. So I visited uh, every major city uh, in Australia uh, back in uh, July, uh, sharing information about the book. Uh, we've done uh, webinars. We actually uh, did a virtual conference uh, last week. Mm -hmm. um, that is still archived. So uh, I can uh, share some information with you on how your listeners may be able to get uh, access to the virtual uh, oh, that'd be great. archive yeah. virtual conference yeah. uh, and uh, participate in that. So we've been trying to uh, build awareness. Um, Wiley, who was the publisher of the book, is doing a lot of outreach to the academic community uh, because, again, they see value in the case studies uh, as being useful as uh, teaching resources. Uh, so we're hoping that uh, that all of those efforts uh, will continue to build interest in the book. And of course, word of mouth always helps. <laughs> yep. yep, excellent. So beyond this book and beyond the next edition, what else is uh, what else is going on? So um, we have some opportunities that we're exploring uh, from the PMI perspective, but again, it ties into this theme very well. 
Uh, last year, uh, President Barack Obama signed the Program Management Improvement Accountability Act, which requires every agency of the U.S. federal government to develop a strategy for how they're going to improve their project and program management capabilities. So in a way, uh, the law is requiring the other agencies to do exactly what NASA did, to look at how do we build a capability if we're just doing uh, elements of project management, everything has a technical component now. Everything is enabled through software technology in some way. Hmm. So how do we build this bridge that allows the technical side and the management side to work together in a more integrated fashion? So we're hoping that through this legislation, more organizations, Department of Energy, uh, the Department of Homeland Security, uh, the Federal Aviation Administration, and others uh, look to examples of uh, strong integration and collaboration and try and build those as they're developing their strategy for how to improve their program and project management capabilities. So we're hoping that uh, this book will be a useful resource that mm. we can share uh, with them uh, with examples from their sister organizations, uh, as well as organizations in other countries. Uh, in the UK, the Infrastructure and Projects Authority uh, is really doing a lot of innovative things around leadership development for their uh, senior responsible officers. Uh, in Australia, we have good examples from uh, the Australian Department of Defense. So we're hoping that we can build this community that can learn from each other how to improve uh, this alignment and uh, and stronger collaboration between the engineering and the uh, and the management side. Yep. So that's one piece. The other piece is many uh, government agencies and private corporations have extensive uh, internal academies. So we're also hoping that many of them will use the book uh, in their academies. Uh, because again, there are some uh, case study examples that might shed some light on opportunities to enhance the level of integration they currently have within their organizations. So between the academic community, government using it, and corporations including it in their internal universities, uh, we're hoping that there will be significant demand for a second edition. That's great. <laughs> yes, yes. And and beyond the actual getting the book out there, you really want to see that step change in 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 performance and in behavior don't you because that's that's ultimately why you do all of these things is to, is to actually encourage and support people to make the changes in the way in the, in the way their organizations operate right right yeah. and most definitely we want to collect the stories because there may be opportunities while we're uh, discussing working on a second edition uh, where if we can create opportunities for program managers and chief systems engineers to come together in dialogue that they can help each other um, make the changes that are necessary so we have a LinkedIn an online LinkedIn community where uh, program managers and chief systems engineers can come together. Uh, and COSI has a program management systems engineering working group. So they're looking at uh, activities they can undertake between the two communities because we share a lot of members between our organizations as sure. well. So there are opportunities for uh, leveraging their knowledge and experience to develop tools and uh, case studies and other resources to help uh, with the integration process. Uh, and then at PMI, we have our online community of practice 
through which we provided the virtual conference that we're hoping to continue to provide um, content uh, and opportunities for engagement as well. So a lot more activities, uh, not just related to the book, but continuing to build uh, linkages and bridges between our two communities. That's great. Yeah. So watch this space then. Yeah. Definitely. That's great. So oh, that's been wonderful. Look, I'll uh, I'll let you get on with the rest of your evening. And thank you so much for, uh, where are we now, about eight o'clock your time in, a, in the evening? little after yeah yeah i'll let you i'll 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 sort of wind down and let you let you let you get on with the, with what's left of your day um so if people want to get a hold of you to uh, to follow up on this what's the uh, what's the best mechanism to do that okay well first of all i invite them to come visit us at pmi.org yep. uh, where they can learn about the book and uh, find out more about what we're doing at the project management institute and my email is S-T-E-P-H-E-N dot T-O-W-N-S-E-N-D at PMI.org. So feel free to write to me and uh, share your thoughts, uh, ask questions, and hopefully uh, next year, uh, around the same time, I'll be coming back to Australia to visit again. Well, let me know when you're coming and we will um, we'll make sure we're ready for you again, Stephen. We're maybe a bit more ready Most this definitely. next time. That would be great. So after after we finished, I'll uh, I'll get you to uh, to share the the contact details. Sorry, not the contact okay. details, but the details for the for the webinar as well. And I'll put them in the in the notes that will go out with this uh, with this podcast when it gets released. So okay. Thank you so much for your time, and uh, yeah, I look forward to uh, I look forward to the ongoing development of the story here. Thank you again for the opportunity to come and talk with you today. Appreciate it. <laughs>